I V M. Hello and welcome to Voices for Water. On the show so far, we mostly had experts on water or from sectors for which water is endemic. And if you are a listener of the show, you will realize how between the government, civil society and the market, there is so much to be done to solve this large-scale issue of water security in India. Given the localized context and the rapidly emerging climate challenges, this needs specialized skills and also a sustainable workforce engaged at local levels. This is why it is important to talk about skilling and employment when discussing water management in India. In this episode, I speak to Sabina Devan, who is the founder and executive director of the Just Jobs Network, a research organization focused on finding solutions to today's most pressing employment challenges. Just Jobs Network and Argem have partnered together to conduct a field-based research study on Jal Kaushal to understand the skill development in the water sector and map the gaps and challenges in water management from skills and job perspectives. Sabina is also a senior visiting fellow at the Center for Policy Research in India and a non-resident fellow at the Karsi School of Public Policy at the University of New Hampshire. Sabina's vast experience also includes working with institutions including the World Bank, the International Labour Organization and the European Commission amongst others, as well as grassroots organizations in Sierra Leone, India and Western Samoa. I spoke to her about water management from a skills perspective and the nature of the work and the traditional jobs that exist in this sector. We also spoke about her observations from the field and the gaps in resourcing and skill sets that exists, especially in managing water as commons and how the government programs are helping bridge the same gap. Welcome to Voices for Water, Sabina. How are you doing and where are you talking to us from? I'm good, Karthik. How are you? I'm in uh, New Delhi. I'm joining you from New Delhi right now. Excellent. Can't complain. And uh, I'm not, not far away. I'm, I'm stationed in Gurgaon as we speak. And I can't help notice that the, it's an excellent day for a conversation. Great weather. You know, at the outset, I want to set context for this, right? Like listeners of this show, they used to me talking to experts on water and people who specialize in water-related challenges, right? You have a, a, a lifetime, you know, from under body of work which is in uh, in skilling and in solving employment challenges and in public policy. Right? But we're talking about water here. According to you, where is the intersection between these two worlds? Yeah, that's a great question to start off with, Karthik. I think India is confronting a confluence of several challenges, right? So first, the economy is expanding and hopefully this will continue. But this also means that industrial activity is likely to expand. Agriculture is still a big part of our economy and is still responsible for just under half of our employment. This economic expansion that is also key to job creation demands a lot of water. Second, we still have a significant share of our large and growing population that doesn't have ready access to water in their homes. And this poses particular challenges for health and sanitation, but also imposes a disproportionate burden on women that sometimes have to go long distances access water. And the less time and energy women have because they're expending it, you know, accessing water, the less they have to engage in income generation. All of this points to a greater need for water at the same time that India's groundwater resources are depleting quickly. We extract more groundwater than both China and the United States. This is 
crazy. This means that in the coming years, we'll need to balance this growing need for water with the rising scarcity of water. And so water management is an absolute imperative. Third, we have a severe lack of jobs in this country. So if we put all of this together, there's an opportunity here to leverage water management and conservation with job creation and training so that we can foster both livelihoods as well as better water security. What is the current narrative on large-scale water management in India, from both from people and skills perspective? How are large programs like Jal Jeevan Mission approaching water management? Is it more, according to you, infrastructure-driven or, or more people-driven? So government schemes like Jal Jeevan Mission focus on delivering better access to water but this needs to come alongside with the same amount of effort and attention to water management. You know, the Just Jobs Network from our research, Argyam from their research, and the Prime Minister himself has spoken about the need for participatory management at the local levels, right? And Jaljeevan Mission also has this as one of their essential components. So, you know, if we want to ensure water security, having local communities participate is absolutely important. But very little is happening on the ground with respect to this. The emphasis in Jaljeevan Mission is skewed toward enabling access without equal or more effort to fostering water management and water security. Jaljeevan Mission is largely focused on creating, we can think about it like hardware for drinking water, so putting up water tanks, laying pipes and things like that. But, you know, these tasks require plumbing or construction skills that are more general. They're not specific to water management, right? So when it comes to water management, the assumption is that the community will manage their own resources through, for example, Pani Samitis or the village water sanitation committees. And there's some employed people like pump operators. But by and large, that the kind of deep expertise or skills that we need to foster water security and management are missing. So the main program for building water management, both the narrative as well as implementation of it, is the Atal Bhujal Yojana, which in many places is taking a backseat to Jaljeevan Mission. So in some ways, there's this attitude that, you know, let's deliver access and then we'll worry about management and water security. Unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of time to do that. So, you know, we find that communities lack adequate technical skills to map water resources, water budgeting, planning, demand management, you know, Bhujal Jankars, which are supposed to be the frontline workers under the Atal Bhujal Yojana, are neither adequately trained or engaged. So there's a lot of work to do to go beyond just ensuring water access, which is fundamentally important, but to expanding that to water management and security. And the idea that we can do access first and security later doesn't work because we need to start managing our resources like yesterday, not just even today. Like it's urgent. Right. You know, you spoke about a lot of programs, which, which uh, makes me want to ask you, there are a lot of stakeholders. So when it comes to developing a cohesive water management system, who are the key people working on and, and what are they doing? What mandates do they have at different levels? And is the nature of work, you know, can you also talk about the nature of work and their, and their working conditions? 
Sure. So, you know, where we started this conversation, Karthik, you know, water is imperative for the economy to function. Water is important for lives, for you and I. Water is important for livelihoods, right? So when we ask who are the stakeholders, it's every single one of us, from policymakers to farmers to workers to, you know, uh, city inhabitants like you and I. So, you know, this is an imperative, urgent issue that needs attention. And the stakeholders are every single one of us, right? But let's talk about this from a jobs perspective. We can categorize the kind of jobs and tasks in water management into three categories. Technical water jobs, supporting jobs, and sort of the institutional administrative jobs. So by technical water jobs, these are direct water jobs that mainly comprise of water resource management, building and managing water infrastructure. Supporting jobs are the ones that we consider to be non-technical, but they offer the necessary support. So, for example, communications and behavioral change, financial planning, monitor and evaluation of different kinds of water projects or schemes. And finally, there's, of course, the administrative component, right, which exist both on the village, block, district, state, and central levels. And these are largely the supervisory roles. So, you know, so broadly speaking, these are kind of the three different categories. And, you know, formal jobs in water management are largely located at the central state and district level in the form of technical administration and supportive jobs. And at the central level, we find you know, a lot of the jobs are associated with like planning and policy. The problem really is that there's a scarcity of trained people at the village and block levels. So at the village level, formal jobs are limited to roles of like pump operator or who release water for drinking and irrigation purposes. But there are no jobs, as I mentioned already, there's very few or hardly any jobs that are linked with the like planning and mapping and budgeting and overall demand management at the village level. And that becomes a problem because our mindset right now is still, you know, we need to get the community engaged, but there really isn't a lot of investment in training and awareness at the community level to bring people in to water management. You know, so you speak about how you know, what is being managed at, at a rural level and how it is different from, from the urban level, you know, it makes me think that it's probably easier to manage private water sources. But, but what about commons? Who manages them right now? So this idea of commons is a really important part of water management, right? Because one of the problems that we observe is that people see water as an individual need and not as a common resource. When it comes to water management, we see people sort of having this diffusion of responsibility. My job is to just get the water that I need and everyone else worry about the fact that it's a depleting resource. And that only comes if, you know, there's an awareness that water resources are depleting to begin with, right, which is also lacking. So even though the 12th Finance Commission and our various policies speak of water as a common pool resource, the management of commons is not very explicit. And the issue really is of ownership. Who takes ownership of water security and water management? There's a lot of people willing to take ownership of their own water needs and use, but not of water management and management of commons. You know, you you speak about ownership 
And uh, in the previous episode, we've spoken a lot about communities taking ownership. But from your perspective, from a people perspective, have you come across any successful examples of water management by communities? Could could you share some field stories with us in that aspect? Sure. So, um, you know, so so working together with Argyam, the Just Jobs Network did this project called Jal Kaushal, Water Lives and Livelihoods. And we're quite proud of that name. Uh, where we had the privilege of going to several different villages and looking at the kind of implementation of Jaljeevan Mission and the extent to which Atal Bhujal was working there, which was unfortunately not as pronounced. And there were several examples of, you know, good practices. So traditionally in Karnataka, Tamil Nadu and Andhra Pradesh, you know, there are these water managers called Nirkatis. And they manage traditional tanks. So their role starts much before the monsoon. The tank being common property requires collective action to maintain it. So these Nirkatis, they decide on a date on which residents help desilt the tank and clean the catchment. They size up the work required and divide up the labor among the tank's beneficiaries. With the first shower, they take stock of the water that's available and decide on, you know, per capita allocation and as well as the kind of crops that can be grown. So, you know, in this sense, you're kind of not allowing the farmers to irrigate the fields at their own will, but you're actually ensuring that supply to every field on a rotational basis. Uh, So this kind of practice of community engagement, community management of water resources, uh, in some sense, a very deliberate rationing of water is the kind of thing that, you know, is a very positive example of of water management. In Maharashtra, we've also seen commendable work done by water user associations for participatory irrigation management. And, you know, I think there's a lot of like CSO-led initiatives that we found were very helpful in terms of different CSOs. Uh, For example, in some of the drought-stricken districts of Maharashtra, we saw a number of CSO-led initiatives where jalduts were taken and trained at the village levels as para-hydrologists to sort of measure rainwater, check quality. So these are all examples of, you know, very positive sort of water management. There's no such thing as an ideal water village. You know, we found merits and demerits to most of the places we visited. But some of these examples really stood out. In Meghalaya, one last one, under the Meghalaya Community-Led Landscape Management Project, we saw a really integrated approach to natural resource management and the creation of these like village community facilitators that, you know, helped kind of villages come up with natural resource management plans. So from the community level, the village level, all the way up to kind of the district and state levels, there's there are these best practices, but there's no one village that we could say was an ideal village. I think there's best practices that can be gleaned and then have to be adopted to different climactic and, you know, political, economic situations of different parts of the country and and rural India, especially. Got it. There seems to be a lot lot going on and you spoke about things right from a government perspective to what's happening in communities to what's happening in rural areas. Where do you still see the gaps in the process? Is there a gap in tasks? Basically, are the tasks not defined well? 
or is there gaps in people you know where the tasks are defined well but there's lack of skills or is it just not enough people to do the tasks so when we're talking about you know gaps in the the process in terms of water as i mentioned before the big starting point is that we are still very much focused on expanding access to water without actually thinking about water management and governance and water security and unfortunately we don't have the luxury of time to do that so as important as it is that we you know provide har ghar mein nal we also need to make sure that water management is happening and so in order to implement that we actually need participatory engagement from local communities as well as awareness and there as we mentioned earlier you know it starts with awareness but then we actually need people that are trained in different roles right now we just basically have pump operators and a couple of other people but we need more for example bujal jankars and jaldoots that come under the atul bujal yojana who can do things like watershed management who are para hydrologists and you know and i think in, in that respect there's a lot of work to do because we need the wider public to have awareness of water conservation and management but we then actually need trained people at different levels who can actually make this happen and and you know bring the vision of of water conservation and water security to fruition right you know you you spoke about the gaps at this point and it's interesting that you know we're in such a complex process you know we're actually able to understand what the requirement is right can you share some light on how are we estimating right what is the, what is the need gap more importantly what is the government doing today or what can the government do to bridge this gap both in people as well as in skills so i think that there's i'm for one very dubious of any time that we try to put numbers to some of these things right um like we don't even have solid data about how many jobs will be created you know one month from now from now so h- how are we supposed to estimate the number of jobs that will be created in something that is as wide as water management and that's largely not happening right now so this kind of mapping in terms of quantity of jobs is something that's difficult to do that said our field research you know just jobs network and argems field research really illustrated to us that there was a lack of expertise and a lack of the kinds of training you know trained people a trained cutter who can look at integrated water management who can map you know the kind of tasks that are associated with different kinds of water management from you know we've talked about para hydrologists to planning source management you know demand management so you know these tasks don't have to always be done by separate individuals they can be done by individuals that are well trained so in that sense when we may not be talking about large numbers of jobs but what we are talking about is the fundamental opportunity to create some work in places that need work but more importantly to create a cadre of workers that have the skills to actually value, you know, water resources as they need to be valued and to sort of ration water resources in ways that respect the fact that this is a depleting resource that is also the lifeblood of our economies and our livelihood. This is very inspiring at the same time, you know, also you know, we're able to appreciate 
what it takes to to bridge the gap that we have uh, sabina we usually end the episode by by asking our expert as a common citizen what can one do in this matter as an individual right how can one develop the right skills to contribute to better water management i love this question because i think that you know you and i have a responsibility to conserve water to spread awareness that water is a depleting resource i'll end with a quick story you know we were in begusarai in bihar and you know when we would talk to people we'd invariably have them tell us that you know we don't have a problem with water here in fact we have floods all the time and yet at the same time in almost in the same breath you would hear them say yeah well we're having to dig deeper and deeper to get clean water right so you know there is this kind of lack of awareness that water is a scarce resource you know in cities and the kinds of lifestyles that you and I lead you know fortunately at this point water scarcity isn't as visible but just because it's not as visible doesn't mean it's any less imperative and any less urgent that we actually conserve water respect the need for water for future generations and so i think that you and i have a responsibility to really both conserve water but also do whatever we can to raise awareness and you know in terms of policies i do think that while Jal Jeevan mission is very important we need to expand water access we need to at the same time really be focusing on expanding water security through better water management as well so i think we need to work on multiple ends excellent sabina thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your thoughts with us thank you karthik if you like this episode do check out season 1 of voices for water you can find it on any of your favorite podcast platforms including ibm podcasts Voices for Water is brought to you by the India Water Portal, a globally visited website for stories, knowledge, information and news on rural and urban water in India. See you next week with another insightful conversation on India's water challenges. Thank you for listening.